Good morning, everybody. Man, Women's Retreat Weekend leads to an amazing crowd, ready in a U shape around as far away from me as possible. Uh, my name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. I am super glad that you decided to come this morning, most especially today. May God meet us and lead us today. Could I get an amen? All right, we are in a series called The Way Forward. As a church, we are experiencing multiple challenges at once. We have fallen into a budgetary hole over the course of the summer, leaving us with a debt of about $50,000. We are also dealing with the fallout from years of pandemic and polarization and people getting so upset about the existence of people who disagree with them that they take off. At this time, we are looking to God for the way forward out of these challenges, and we're praying into God, where would you lead us? For the sermons in this series, we are preaching the bedrock values that make River Heights who we are. These values are how we act. They describe what is most important to us as we carry out our purpose. Our four values at River Heights are the presence of God, loving relationships, diversity, and service. During these weeks of preaching on our values, we're also praying and we're asking God, how can we respond to the financial challenges we're facing? Specifically, we're asking everyone, that includes you, to pray and ask God how you might be part of the solution. If God moves you to generosity and helping our community get back on firm footing, we will ask you in October to fill out a pledge card with the amount you plan to give over six months, and that will help us with budgeting for ministry and expenses. After praying together and individually, our staff pastors have pledged to give a total of $4,000 beyond our normal giving over six months. And we shared that amount with a gathering of our volunteer leaders last weekend. We're asking them to pray and fill out pledge cards as God leads, and we'll share the amount they're pledging with you as well, October 2nd. And that's the day that you can fill out a pledge card if God leads you to be generous as well. I want you to know every donation matters. We're a church with broad-based giving rather than a few superstar wealthy donors. By the way, we don't have those. And so we have a stewardship committee who helps us, you know, be faithful and good with the finances here at the church. And they asked, like, how much does the 80-20 principle hold true here? That's the idea that 80 or 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And it turns out we do have a very broad-based giving base. 60% of our people give 80% of the funds. That's a lot broader than most churches. And so every amount matters. Your giving totally makes a difference and uh, can be a real help. So the purpose of this all is for all of us to respond to God through prayer. If God is not leading you to give, God bless you regardless. On that note, I get to preach on diversity and service in these last two weeks. Two of our four central values that guide how we help people love God, love people, and change the world. And diversity and service are actually intricately connected. When we are acting out of human pride, out of me first, furthering our own ends and, and interests, our differences quickly become obstacles that hinder our efforts. Other people rarely agree completely with our self-interest. Has anyone noticed this? Anybody who's married can say woot, uh, right? So of course, when we're working toward our own success, we come into conflict with other people whose aim is their own success. At the same time, diversity is a gift from God. 
It is actually how God holds the body of Christ together. Our different strengths and weaknesses allow us to cover for each other and be covered by one another. Diversity is what makes interdependence possible. And dealing with diversity the way God intends has been a central challenge for the church since before the Bible was written and still is a challenge today. Service is one way that diversity becomes interdependence instead of conflict and competition. Service means laying ourselves down on behalf of others. And when we act in service, diversity becomes a tremendous blessing. We start to function as the body of Christ with many different parts working together as a whole instead of competing parts trying to take over. Now, my favorite passage on this topic I have to just mention, even though it's not the central passage today. My favorite passage on diversity and service is Acts 6, 1 through 7, where we see discrimination happening across racial lines in the distribution of food in the early church. The apostles become aware of what's happening, and they pray, and they determine the way forward is to revamp the food distribution program. And so they pray, and they ask the Holy Spirit to lead them. And the Spirit leads them to remake the servant leadership team completely. And they choose a new leadership team with every person on it having a name from the minority group that was being discriminated against. And those people run the program from then on. The Holy Spirit's answer to discrimination across diversity is service. That's a rich passage, but I've preached on it twice in two years, so I'm going to take a different route today. You can read that for bonus points. There's a couple occasions where I've preached on two whole chapters of the Bible on a Sunday. In the next two weeks, we're going to put that to shame. We are going to take a look at the entire book of 1 Corinthians, 16 chapters in two weeks. Buckle up. Everyone's so excited. Everyone's like, wow, 16 chapters. That sounds like so much fun. All right. Years ago, we preached through 1 Corinthians. Our sermon series was called Unity and Diversity actually meant to go together. 1 Corinthians as a whole deals with challenges across economic classes, deals with political divisions within the church, and it deals with the pride that causes many of those challenges. And I believe that we can learn godly principles toward being different and united from Paul's first letter to Corinth. And as you'll see, service is often the answer to our diversity-related conflicts. And so today I'm going to primarily summarize a lot of passages telling you the story. I'm going to quote verses from each of the chapters. You can read through the first half of 1 Corinthians on your own this week to see how I'm doing at being faithful to the text. My hope is that you'll see how diversity causes us challenges that can be overcome by looking to Jesus, who said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Who said, whoever wants to be the greatest among you must be the servant of all. I hope you'll see how much diversity is worth its challenges here in the family of faith, and I hope you'll be empowered to look to Jesus for the solution to this and any other challenges that you and we are facing. And so to set the scene, Corinth in this time was a very diverse city. You had Romans and Greeks and people from the Far East. You had wealthy citizens and slaves. There were two harbors that led to a busy trade system, and the town actually had a road with rollers where you could take a boat from one harbor and push it across land and get it to the other harbor. Corinth was well known for its temple to Aphrodite, 
There were temple prostitutes who worked there nearly around the clock, and animals were sacrificed to Aphrodite, again, nearly around the clock. And Corinth was known as a party town. There's a phrase in the ancient world and other literature, living like a Corinthian, that means to be drunk often. All right? And that's where Paul went and planted one of the earliest churches in his ministry and therefore in the history of the world. He spent 18 months living with the Corinthians, teaching them about Jesus and helping them get started as a church. At the time of this letter, Paul has heard from several different sources that the church he planted there is facing divisive challenges. They've got the wealthy people eating all the communion before the working class arrive. They have people divided over which human leaders they're going to follow, and they've got a sexual scandal. Through this, the church is fighting with one another because people are too proud and think that they're right. Do you think the challenges of rich and poor, food for the hungry, sexual scandals, and Christians following different human leaders, might that have anything to do with us today? Might that be, e no, not at all, good answer. Might that be even faintly related to how we conduct ourselves as a community of faith? I think so. And so let's turn to the scripture and see how Paul deals with these challenges. He starts off in chapter one with his customary greeting of blessing and gratitude and encouragement. If you ever need to be picked up and lifted up in a time of trouble in scripture, you can turn to the first verses from any book of Paul and you will get stuff like this. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. God will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son Jesus Christ our Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm having allergy problems. I am COVID negative, uh, just as a heads up. So after this blessing, which is such a nice thing to receive as a fellow reader of the words Paul is sending through time to us, Paul names one of the primary problems they're facing in verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Harmony is difference that sounds good. That's what makes harmony. Different notes that sound good together. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others say, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Jesus. That's like the Holy Church trump card, right? So the challenge of Christians following different leaders has been around longer than a couple presidential elections, through more than a few cultural celebrities, through more than a few famous televangelists or authors. It's been around longer than there were two popes at one time. This has been an issue since square one. People want to look for human leaders for direction, and when we disagree with each other about which leaders are best to follow, it can lead to division which is difference without harmony. But Paul's clear, we're actually called to live harmoniously with each other without division because of Jesus. This is super important. One of our central human tendencies 
is to break down into tribes and sects and nationalities and then create groups that end up often in competition and disunity. God's answer to this, God's call and command to this are unity through Jesus Christ. By the authority of Christ, we're called to live in harmony within the church without division. Our human divisions pale in the light of what Jesus has done for us. And so we're meant to be united by something that supersedes every other allegiance we could have. That's the source of unity through diversity, the work of Jesus Christ making us into one family. Over the years, the last few of pandemic and polarization, we've lost a few very long-term members from the far left and from the far right of the political spectrum. We just this year have had a family leave and say, you wear masks too often, and another family leave and say, you don't wear masks often enough. You're too liberal, you're too conservative, and we're like the same church. How can this be? I'm always saddened when this happens. It makes my job hard and painful. But when I look to the Bible, I remain convinced that having people from both ends of this and just about any other spectrum you can believe is meant to be. We are meant to include anyone willing to put Jesus first and to welcome everybody else. Immigrant or American by birth, refugee or descendant of Norwegian settlers, black, white, red, brown, yellow, or purple, if that becomes a thing, young or old, these divisions do not separate us in the church. They actually work together to bring us into richer unity, as we will see in the chapters that follow. At the end of this chapter, Paul appeals to Jesus as the wisdom of God. He says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. And Christ has made us right with God. Christ has made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. So as humans, we have pride of belonging in all kinds of groups and to all kinds of ideas and families and nations. In Christ, pride in these things is useless because we are to boast in one thing, the work of Jesus Christ, which is not our own effort, which is not our own glory. In chapter 2, Paul writes at length about the wisdom of God, specifically God's plan to bring the Holy Spirit through Jesus. And he argues that human wisdom, which is perhaps at the heart of the Corinthians' divisions, is nothing compared to God's wisdom, which Paul plans to share with them. He ends the chapter in verse 16, writing, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And so you can, act, I love the we there, the we is inclusive of himself and the readers. And so you can pray for wisdom, and God will give you wisdom. When I was a kid, I thought wisdom was like this guy from a comic I used to read who could sit in a yoga position on a mountain, and people would come to him, and he would be super chill. And that has nothing to do with biblical wisdom at all. In the Bible, wisdom is the ability to make good choices day in and day out. That's what wisdom is. 
The Bible says in James 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who always gives generously and he will give it to you. And so I want you to know today the answer to our problem here, the answer to so many of our problems is to turn to God and ask for wisdom. Oh, that was very nice of you, Anita. Thank you. There's nothing like hacking up a lung while you preach, you know. Okay, hopefully you didn't hear that. All right. We're at wisdom. All right. Uh, if you're here with specific things that are challenging for you in your life, we would love to pray for you today to receive the wisdom of God for it and to know and to have faith with you and for you that God's going to answer that prayer. In chapter 3, Paul actually starts laying out the wisdom of God as applied to the Corinthians' conflict over human leaders. In verse 3, he says, You are still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world when one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos? Aren't you acting just like the people of the world? Paul goes on to say that following earthly leaders is a form of worldly wisdom that is ultimately foolish. And he closes by saying in verse 21, do not boast about following a particular leader. For everything belongs to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death or the present and the future, everything belongs to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Creator of the universe. So if you've ever been a follower of a celebrity, politician, or influencer, or televangelist, or human leader of any kind, and that we all have, there's something important here. Our belonging and value never come from the human beings that we follow. Through Jesus, we belong to God, and that's enough for us. In chapter 4, Paul asks the Corinthians to remember the humility of his own example. There's some sarcasm in here, and this is definitely humble bragging. Oh, look how humble I am. But you know what? Sometimes you need to be honest about the example that you have set. Verse 10, our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We're weak, but you're so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We're often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. I think there's a really good principle in here for what kind of leaders we should look to follow. Paul, by the standards of his time, could have demanded money from the Corinthians and lived well. It was common for traveling rabbis to come through and ask people for money. Instead, in city after city, Paul chose a way of life that was below what could have been possible. The principle here is that following the people worth following are people who serve for the good of others rather than their own good alone. Rich or poor, it is the heart motivation that makes someone worth following. Paul appeals to the church's divisions by highlighting his life of service. I love being on staff at River Heights Vineyard. 
So many of our pastors have sacrificed financially and in other ways in order to serve God instead of what they were doing. Our founding pastors ran a successful bookstore and gave up that job to start a new church. I think there were twins on the way at the time. Craziness. I lost two-thirds of my income the year I went from working in tech to ministry. Our worship pastor, Justin, gave up salary going from a supervisor's job to worship pastoring. And I'm not saying this makes us better than anyone else here, but I think it is a very good sign when your pastors aren't in the job for the money. It gives me faith that when they do things like ask you to give toward the church, for instance, it is not to increase their own glory or income. And the life of service on our pastoral team goes way beyond finances. I have never seen anyone ready to do good in service to other people like John and Sue Marsden, our founding pastors. Their Sorry, John's in here. This has got to be embarrassing. Yeah, thanks for waving. I appreciate that, John. Uh, this example has inspired and motivated the rest of us on staff for decades now, and we hope to model that kind of life for anybody who would ever follow. God help us stay on that path. In chapter 5, Paul rebukes the Corinthians for allowing a sexual scandal to happen among them. They have a member who is sleeping with his stepmom, and they are boasting how this is possible because of Christ's forgiveness. And the society around them is responding with a, ew, gross. Verse 2, he says, you are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. He says, as a church, do not allow scandals that cause the whole society around you to look down on you. And I wish more churches could pull this off. There are too many scandals of ministers cheating on their spouses, stealing from their congregations, and concealing addictions. May God keep us from that kind of thing forever. Chapters 6 and 7 are about not taking each other to court, allowing the church to mediate disputes. They're about avoiding sexual sin because it harms our own bodies. And they're about the conflict between being single and free to serve God with all your time versus being married and having dual loyalty to God and to your spouse. These are good chapters, but we're going to skip over them today because they're dealing with specific conflicts that have less to do with today's theme. Chapters 8 through 10 are about an issue that really divided the Corinthians. Is it okay to eat meat that came from an idol sacrifice? And I think this particular issue and how Paul deals with it speaks into how we're dealing with some issues in our church today and has some good principles for us to learn from. And so in Corinth, around the clock, people would offer animal sacrifices to Aphrodite, and then the meat would be sold in the market. And often that was the only meat that you could buy in Corinth. Was it okay for Christians to eat meat that was sacrificed to an idol? Paul argues that instead of being divided around the issue, the Corinthians should act out of love. I think it's a really great thing to think about in the light of the kinds of quarrels and divisions that come up in churches. <coughs> he says, eating the meat's not a problem. Those idols aren't even real, and God is the God of everything. But out of love, as Christians, sacrifice your rights. He says, since eating this meat might trip up someone who used to worship those idols, give up your right to eat it when you are with them. And the implication is, for some folks, that means give up eating meat, period. Paul's addressing theological diversity here, differing beliefs about God and what God sees as right and wrong. These challenges are with us today. 
We have people all over the theological map at River Heights Vineyard, and I love that. We seek to promote theological diversity, even among our pastoral staff and preaching team. But our theological diversity will only work over the long haul if we as a people make sacrifices out of love for one another. Those with the greatest freedom of conscience cannot behave however they want because how your behavior affects other people matters. So this passage was at the center of part of our COVID response. One of the people reviewing this sermon before I wrote it said, no, don't go there. It makes people so unhappy. But we have people who have left the church from both sides of the spectrum over this. And I think it's really worth visiting because I think the scripture really speaks to how we deal with this kind of diversity in the church. Early in the pandemic, before there was a lot of research, it became apparent-ish that wearing masks seemed to protect other people from getting the disease. <clears throat> and so we communicated with the church. We have a right to walk around mask-free, but let's use our right in service to others rather than for ourselves. Let's all wear masks for the good of other people. I hated wearing a mask. I did not do so when I was not required by law or by an establishment, but I supported our team's desire to make masks mandatory here because it's not about me, it's about other people, and we have many vulnerable people who need church here. We decided to open sooner than other churches. And it was a difficult decision. There were lots of people criticizing, you know, any, any way we could have gone. But we opened the first week it was legal to do so because we had a 250% increase in the relapse and suicide rate in the recovery community. And we have a lot of recovery folks who are members of this church. And I've mentioned before, we had a guy come to me the first week we were open and say, I was standing on the high bridge planning to jump off and kill myself. I thought of the church. I knew that you guys were reopening and you guys are the reason I'm alive still today. And I was like, awesome. You know, this guy was in three heavy risk groups for COVID. And I just wanted to know that he could come to church and not die because of me or us. Willingness to sacrifice for others is meant to be a hallmark of the church of God. Imagine if the culture around us thought of Christians and thought, oh, those people who give up their rights for other people. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if instead of arguing for human leaders and arguing over divisions, we were like known as the people who gave up our arguments and lived in sacrificial love toward other human beings. Human nature made that problematic in the early church, just like in churches today. The answer remains the same. Let's limit our own freedom when it would harm other people. COVID and the polarization going on around us have been a threat to River Heights Vineyard's diversity. And I think this was especially challenging when we weren't able to meet in person and be on mission together. If you were to ask me why does diversity work at River Heights, you'll notice on your connection card the question of the week is, when you think about diversity at River Heights, what do you think of? I think of theological and economic and political diversity first, because we're all over the map on these things. You have people who very strongly believe very different things here as a church. Why have we been able to pull that off? The answer is being on the mission of Jesus Christ. It's loaves and fishes, serving meals, 
It's celebrate recovery, getting God's help for our hurts, habits, hang-ups, addictions, and doing so with free childcare so that single parents can come. It's the Thanksgiving giveaway, which is coming soon, where we get together as a whole church and do nothing but give toward every person who comes through our doors. It's the Christmas Day dinner, opening our doors and spending our Christmas Day here, serving a meal so that lonely people outside our doors have a place to go on Christmas Day. It is very difficult to do these things with someone who you know is just full of it in what they believe. It's difficult to do that and be mad at them at the same time. I have lost track of the number of times that I have been in our kitchen serving food, cooking for other people, and a person turns to me and it's actually a couple different people and says, I know where you are politically and you're so full of crap, but it's amazing how we can just serve this food together, isn't it? And we both chuckle, right? It is the mission of Christ. It is the actual functional working together of the different parts of our body that makes a harmonious love of God possible, all right? Diversity and service are our way forward. So come to Loaves and Fishes this week. They've reopened for in-person dining. Come and serve or come between 5 and 6, Monday through Thursday. Get a free meal. Share some of your heart and story. Listen to someone else's heart and story. Get ready to give toward the Thanksgiving giveaway. We're going to put it on again this year. And if history serves me correct, the cost goes up every year. These missional examples of life are God's answer to the divisions of diversity. Let's depend on each other so that we can get done together way more than we could each do on our own. In chapter 9, Paul says, What then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Paul repeats his example of service because service is what helps keep us diverse. It's what helps us be connected by love. And he closes chapter 10 with this. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. These are wise words. All of us would do well to heed them. Next week, I will take us through chapters 11 to 16, and that will close off this series. I want to invite you to stand as you are able and the worship team to come back up here. I've got three tips for you for putting the Word of God into practice as we have received it this week, something to read, pray, and do. Tip number one is read 1 Corinthians 1 through 10. It's 10 chapters. If anyone in here does it, I will give you a dollar. If there's any young people, a whole dollar. You adults might know that's not a great deal anymore. Tip number two, pray for God to give us unity through diversity and service. Pray this for yourself. Pray that God would give you the strength and security of being loved so that you can sacrifice your rights when differences and division happen. And then pray for our whole church that we together would experience the strength and security of God so that we could lay down our rights in service thus growing the diversity of Jesus' body. Tip number three, find your place to serve. We have a critical service need right now. We have had to turn families away from vineyard kids over the last couple weeks because we have more kids than adults willing to serve. 
you might be an adult who says things like, I would never do kids' ministry. Well, I swore for five years that I would never be a youth pastor, and I got to be one, and it was amazing, all right? We have an age of kids and someone to work with who can make this a great experience for you. We actually need your service. Church is meant to be a place where we can learn to serve and then bring that lifetime of service into all the rest of our life. If you are willing to serve, if you would like to begin serving for the first time, you can just write on your connection card, I would like to serve, and we'll work with you to figure out a good place and a good way for you to do that. Uh, if you're on the prayer team, now would be a great time to come up. We always offer prayer for any needs you might have, especially today, prayers for wisdom, prayers for dealing with diversity and service. Uh, we'd love to pray for anything else that you might have. And I'm going to lead us in prayer as we transition into this part of our service. God, thank you for giving us such an example of service. Thank you for coming with all power and all glory and laying down the entirety of it to be one of us. Thank you, Jesus, for your example. And we want to apply your life to all the rest of what the world throws at us. We ask that you would help us be more like you. Send your Holy Spirit, God, <coughs> that we could learn to have harmony in our, in our differences rather than division. <coughs> God, I pray that you would bring us all into lives of service, corporately and individually, here in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, wherever you might lead us pray that you would help us to achieve the beautiful sound of harmony here, God. Amen. We'll close with worship, and the team will let us know when the service is over. God bless you all.